Well, if you want to grow, we're going to really hit high gear these few weeks to come before us. Turn with me, please, in your Bibles to Ephesians, the very first chapter. You want to talk about an amazing book. The book of Ephesians is it. There are six chapters, but they're so full of the wonders of our Lord. As I'm going to mention to you in a minute, the first three chapters is all about who we are in Jesus Christ. The first three chapters, Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, tells us exactly who we are because of Christ. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 tell us since we find out who we are, the Lord expects us, therefore, to do. He wants us to know who we are, and then He challenges you and me to do whatever it is that He has called us to do within the body of Christ. Within this uh, great book, we're going to have different things that we're going to look at. Somewhere, um, I would guess, at the first of the year, was this, May, June, July, at the first this year, we'll probably go through uh, the fifth chapter where we talks about a, a family. And we're going to do what has uh, been pretty popular for us, and that's our family series. We'll go through that. Let me tell you a story. True or not, I don't know. I was told it is true. There's a story about a man who was uh, very poor. He was given a ticket to travel, this was a long time ago, across the Atlantic Ocean to America on a luxury liner. There was no way he could afford much where he lived, but this one man, I guess very wealthy, had great compassion upon this, this poor man and he wanted to get to America, and so he gave him a ticket on this, this luxury liner that was going from Europe to the United States. This man got this ticket and was so excited, he went on the boat. When he got on the boat, he immediately went downstairs. He found himself a cot to rest upon, and he ate scraps. He didn't, know, he didn't have any food, he didn't have any money, so he didn't know he ate whatever he could find, but he ate scraps. Down where he was in the bottom of the ship, he had no view of the ocean. He didn't see the sunrise, nor did he see the sunset during this long trip. Finally, when the boat landed, the ship landed in the port of New York, it was discovered as he was going off the boat that the ticket that was provided for him also provided for him a luxury cabin within that ship and two large rooms, even a deck to sit out so he could see the ocean and the sunset and all that, the beauty of, of, the, tr- of the travel. Also, that, that ticket provided for him dinner at the captain's table every single night free. It was paid for in full, none of which he used. He stayed on the bottom of that ship, slept in a cot, and saw nothing for all the days he traveled. So he traveled as a pauper, poor as he was when in fact he could have lived on that luxury liner like a king. That story is fairly important to the book of Ephesians because the book of Ephesians is going to teach you and me that we are really kings and queens. When most of us as believers live in spiritual poverty, we really do not 
embrace upon our lives all the blessings that God has provided for us. In Ephesians chapter 1, starting with this whole message, if you look at verse 3, we are told, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, watch. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in His Son, Jesus Christ. The book of Ephesians has been written to us who believe in Jesus Christ, who are prone to treat our spiritual resources much like that poor traveler in a cot in the basement eating scraps instead of being at the banquet table. We live today as believers like spiritual paupers when in fact we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. What we need to understand is how can we appropriate those blessings into our lives? How can we become rich in this experience that we have as believers? It is my deepest belief that if you and I go through this study week upon week, word upon word, line after line, if we begin to comprehend all that we are, all that we possess, all that we have been privileged to experience, it'll change your life. It will change our lives. It'll change the very essence of your family. It'll change the very essence of this church. If we can grasp all that is being taught in Ephesians, it is my deepest prayer I will be on my knees, I promise you, every single day that God will allow me the privilege of sharing His good news to you and me concerning the blessings that we have in Christ. I'm a firm believer, and so are most of the commentaries that I read, that, that we as a church today are, are really paupers when in fact we're kings and queens. We're living like we have nothing when in fact we have everything. We become frightened over every little problem that comes our way when in fact we take a look at the problems instead of taking a look at our God. I read something this week says, you know, we're not to say, God, God, look at this problem I have. Rather, we're to take this problem and say, look at problem, look at this great God that I have. He is the one who will set you and me free. Allow us to live like the kings and the queens that we are in Christ, spiritually blessed. And so I'm begging of you, as I am of myself, that you would pray with me that we would go through this book and we'd be able to touch the very hymn, if we would, the very garment of our Lord and, 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 and find the blessings that He so richly desires to give us. And so we're going to lay a foundation this evening. We're going to take a look at this great book and we're just going to lay a foundation and then next week we'll get into the first chapter and we'll start line upon line. We'll start word upon word and we'll study through this great book. 
But what I'd like for you and me to understand today is what it is that this book is trying to show you and me, those of us who are, quote-unquote, in Christ, in Him. Those words are mentioned 15 times throughout these six chapters to emphasize how much we have because of our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Let's go before Him and, and ask Him this privilege of privileges. Father, we've just read the third verse, only one simple verse in this great book. We simply read, Father, where Paul, your servant, wrote, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come before you, calling you blessed. And then we read, Father, you who have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, let us learn a tremendous lesson. Let us learn the very essence of who we are because of who you are. Let us not live like paupers. Let us not be half-hearted Christians any longer. Let us be people who have really felt like we've touched the very garment of your Son, knowing who He is, understanding, therefore, who we are. Bless us, Father, please. Bless Your Word, please. Take me, Father, and please move me aside. Allow us to see who You are, who Your Son is, how the Holy Spirit wants to lead us and guide us into spiritual blessings that are beyond anything that we could ever hope for or dream. So, Father, lead us through this study. We will praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let me share with you one thing. Every person who is a believer in Jesus Christ and does not try to take hold of the spiritual blessings that we have been given, lavished upon us, if you would, we are in danger of suffering spiritual malnutrition really a lack of growth. There's absolutely nothing sadder than a Christian does not grow in his faith, who gets older in years, but stays kind of immature in their walk with Jesus Christ. And the main reason we do that is because we do not take advantage of this great storehouse, if you would, of God's spiritual nourishment, His resources that is at our disposal. The book of Ephesians that we are about to journey and to study, these six chapters were written to teach us what we possess and how. How we can claim and how we can enjoy the possessions that we have in Christ Jesus. Now, how? The question that we must ask is, how can we learn what it is that God gives us? Well, obviously, because you've been here enough, we need to understand Him. We need to know who He is, not not what religion is. That's not what we teach here at this church. Not what a denomination is. We do not teach that here at this church. We need to know Jesus Christ in His fullness. In so doing, we will know who is God and how much He loves us and how great He is. We need to understand Him, which demands knowing His Word. We cannot just hear these words. We need to 
take them into our lives. We need to take these words and allow them to be a part of us so that they flow out of our innermost being so that that we understand the things that are written in here so that we can appropriate them into our lives when difficulties come or when good times come so that we can appropriate them into our lives when we need to pray for someone or to pray for an event or to ask God to, to heal or to do whatever it is that we need at that moment in time. Throughout the Bible, we have been warned... Warn maybe be a harsh word, but we have been encouraged. Maybe that's better. I want us to turn to three different places. In the Old Testament, Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah. How do we find Nehemiah? I believe if you go to the middle of the Bible, if you go to the book of Psalms, and, and you turn to the left, I believe you're going to find Nehemiah. There'll be Job and, and Esther. And then after you go through Esther, I think you'll see Nehemiah. Go to the 8th chapter. I, I know it's only one verse, and I, 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 I often hesitate to, to make us turn to just one verse, but I, I want you to look at this. And, and if you have your own Bible and you have a tendency to mark your own Bible, this would be a, a verse that you might mark. If you want to know, this is a verse that, that I hold tightly to as a pastor, as someone who has the opportunity to teach the Word of God. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8 says this. They read from the book, from the law of God. They translated to give the sense so that they understood the reading. That is the purpose of our gathering together in church. Our gathering together in church is so that we would read from the law of God so that by the grace of God, as we read through what the Lord God is saying to you and me individually, as He will do, so that we could translate, so that we might give sense, so that we might understand what we are reading. And so the Old Testament gives us that fair warning. Read from the book of the law. Translate so as to give sense what it means so that we might understand what it is the Lord God is trying to say to each and every single one of us. Now turn with me to the New Testament and take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, please. You and I will better understand our spiritual blessings, the riches that we have in Christ, through a thorough study of the Word of God. As we go through the Bible, line upon line, word after word, seeing all of the spiritual blessings and all of the riches that God has given to us. Now, that is the call of all of us who teach. Last night, Wes Porter taught as brilliantly as anyone could ever expect anyone to teach. A young man who taught us the Word of God. After him, Rob Selleck taught. The Word of God, line upon line, word after word, as wonderful as we could ever expect when Pastor Bill teaches, and when Pastor Fred or Pastor West, when any of us get up here and teach the Word of God, we teach so as to give sense, so that we might understand what it is that the, the Lord is saying to us at that time. Now that was an Old Testament call, but look in the New Testament in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. Paul tells us to be diligent, 
Be diligent so as to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Ashamed of doing what? Accurately handling the word of truth. That is what we want to do here with you and me. We want to become a people who, who are able to accurately handle God's word so that we don't need to be ashamed. We need to be diligent to do this presenting ourselves by the grace of God approved to God. And again, you don't need to turn there. If you want to, you can. But let me go through it because it's just a portion of the verse. In Colossians 3.16, Paul writes, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. In Ephesians, if you'll be back there, please, just flip back to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is going to reveal, as we're going to study in the weeks to come, a mystery. The mystery that Paul is going to reveal is the church. They did not understand the church in in the Old Testament. They did not understand the the principle of, of gathering together. They certainly didn't understand that that people of all, the, of all races and all creeds, of Gentiles and Jews, all people would gather together in one place and, and be called the body of Christ. That was a mystery to them. Paul is going to reveal that mystery to you and me here in the book of Ephesians. And he's going to show us how as a church we're to function. We're to see Jesus Christ as the head That's why this church is not a denomination. We will never want to build a denomination. Denominations have a tendency to to kind of of build themselves up. What to do and what not to do. We're not into that. Our guideline is this, the Word of God. This is it. This is it for us. We are a people who believe in the Word of God and we are a people who exalt the name of Jesus Christ because that is what God has asked us to do as a body of believers. Why? Because He is the head. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Look down at verse 22. It says, He, God, put all things in... Are you there? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. It says, He, God, God put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him, namely Jesus Christ. That who He's talking about. He gave Him as head over all things to the church, which is His body. That's us, the church. We are the body of Christ. Verse 23, in the fullness of Him who fills all and all. Jump ahead, chapter 2. Look at verse 19. So then, it says in verse 19 of chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. If you do not have a Bible, this would be a good time for you to go out and get one. This would be a great time. And, 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 and if, you, if you're inclined to underline or, or to, to make notes within your Bible, this would be a great time to do that. This would be a great start for you to start marking and, and having your own Bible so when it speaks to you, you can make a note to yourself. I was always in the... In, in, I was always the one who, when I first got my first Bible, I, I wrote everything in pencil because I didn't know everything that I was trying to study. I still don't, but I was naive in those days, but I was at least smart enough. 
to write everything in pencil so that when I made mistakes, I could erase them and, and put in what was correct. And so it says in Ephesians 2, verse 19, So then, you and I are no longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. That's us. That's the body of Christ. Verse 20, Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. You see, our church is built upon that true statement. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. And when we were in the book of Acts, and we went back to the second chapter, and we saw that the apostles and the, and the, and the men of God, the, 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 the prophets of God, they told us that we were to be diligently seeking after the things of God, namely following the teachings of the apostles and fellowship with one another and, and communion and prayer. This is what builds up the church not a bunch of do's and don'ts, but really what God has to say to us. So in verse 20 it says, read it again, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone for the church in whom the whole building, again, that's us, are being fitted together, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom... Verse 22 says, You also, you who believe, are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Of course, God places a great value upon His home, namely the church, us believers who are the body of Christ. We are very important to Him. And so the function of the church and our ability to get along with one another, our ability to be in unity, our ability to come together and, and, and unashamedly worship the Lord and sing. If you want to sing, I know the singers would and the musicians would love to tell you this. Stand up if you want to during your singing. Raise your hands to the Lord. Now, if that's not you, then don't do that. That's okay. But let's not be ashamed to do what God wants us to do individually as we worship the Lord together. That is the great value of the church. Now, the key phrase in Ephesians chapters 1 through 6 is the phrase, in Christ or in Him. As I mentioned to you, it's, it's found 15 times within these six chapters. And being in Christ is the very source, guarantee, I guess would be a better word, of God's spiritual blessings upon every believer who has trusted in Christ and, and is in Him. Once we become in Him, then all of the spiritual blessings are at our disposal. Watch the screen as we look at three verses. Romans 8.17 tells us to be in Christ Jesus. We are fellow heirs with Him. Hebrews 2.11 tells us if we are in Him, then God is not ashamed to call us brothers or sisters. And 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 tells us, To be in Christ, we obtain an inheritance which is imperishable. It's undefiled. It, it, it will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you and for me. Verse 5 tells us, Then we are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Think about that. Think about just a few verses of who we are once we are in Christ. 
We have so much, and yet, and yet, folks, so many Christians today are walking around as though we are paupers. We need to wake up. We need to see all that God has given us. We need to understand who we are once we are in Jesus Christ. You see, we have all the riches of Christ at our disposal. All we need to do is to trust in Him and receive everything that He has promised to give to us. A little background of this book. This book was one of the four books that Paul wrote when he was in prison. About 62 A.D., after the death of Christ, this book was written, along with what is commonly called the prison epistles. That is, the book of Ephesians, the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians, and the book of Philemon. These four books were written by Paul when he was in prison in Rome. Each one of these four books were written to show Jesus Christ a little differently. Let's just take a look at the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, as we have already made mention, was to show who we are once we are in Christ and all the riches, all the blessings that we have because of that great privilege. Now, as I've already mentioned to you, Chapters 1, 2, and 3 were written to show us who we are once we are in Christ. Chapters 4, 5, and 6 then were written to show us what we are now to do since we understand who we are in Christ. Fifteen times in Christ is mentioned in this great book. You see, most of all, you and I need to understand the greatest of all the blessings that we receive once we come to Christ. That's what I want you to know when we start this journey next week. Look back at chapter 1 of Ephesians. Look at verses 7 and 8. In Him, in other words, in Christ. What do we have since we are in Christ? What we have is the redemption through His blood for the forgiveness of our trespasses according to, note, the riches of His grace. That's the spiritual blessing that He has poured out upon your life and my life. One of the, the greatest problems, I think, within Christianity is that some believers don't really understand how, how much we've been forgiven. And we allow sin, even though we're believers, we need to understand we will sin we allow that sin to stop us from moving forward instead of dealing with it immediately. Not allowing sin to, to take control of us. We have, verse 7 again, redemption through His blood. We have the forgiveness of our trespasses, our sins, according to the riches of His grace. Now watch, verse 8, which He has lavished... Not just merely given to you and me. No, He has lavished this grace, this unmerited favor. He has lavished it upon us with all wisdom and insight. Look now at chapter 3. Look ahead at chapter 3. Look at verses 8 and 16. Paul says, to me, verse 8, the least of all the saints. Paul continually said of himself that in his humility, but I believe... Because being led by the Holy Spirit as he wrote these things, these had to be true. The very least of all the saints, he says, this grace was given to preach 
the gospel. I mean, to preach to the Gentiles. Gentiles, Preach what, Paul? What were you given the grace to preach? And he says at the end of verse, verse 8, the unfathomable riches of Jesus Christ. That's what we have, folks. That's what I'm going to try to explain to you as the weeks roll by. All the riches that you and I have because of Jesus Christ and who He is to us. And then look again now down to verse 16 of chapter 3. And Paul says that God, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. In other words, so that you and I would grow up, so you and I would become the, the, the believer that God is, desires us to believe, to become, I should say. Think with me for a moment. Any of you, all of us that have children, what do you want for your children? Think about it. What do you want from them? Don't you want the best for them? Don't you want them to excel? I mean, any one of us as parents, we want that. We want to see our children excel in whatever it is that they want to do. We want them to be everything that they want to be, but we want them to excel in it. Do you think that God thinks any less of you and me? We're His children. Does He not want us to be the very best that we can be? Now, now in, in reality, in life, all of our kids are not going to be like, uh, I don't know, um, great dentists or great doctors or um, whatever. Some of them will be just manual laborers. But that's fine. That's wonderful. Kay and I never put pressure on our kids to be something. You know, like it was tough enough for them to, to be raised with me and everybody would say, oh, oh, you should have seen your father play basketball in college. He was an All-American. Oh, yes, and he was also an All-American baseball player, you know. And then he signed with the Dodgers, don't you know. And now look at his church, how it's growing. And my son would go. And I was so scared that he was gonna, just going to turn off to who his dad is because of that pressure of trying to live up to that image. So we did all that we could to not, not make any pressure on him. If he wanted to play sports, so be it. But if he didn't, okay. We just asked him over and over again to be the best that he could be. Not better than somebody else, but the best that he could be. Same thing for our daughter. Don't you know that God is saying the same thing to you and me? He doesn't want you to compare yourself to anyone else or try to be better than them. No, He just wants you and me to be the very best that we can be. And so as He says to us in this whole lesson, He he wants to grant you and me according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in our most innermost being. And so here at this church, if you hear me every, every time I say to you, if I don't want you to, to serve the Lord because you feel like you have to. I want you to serve the Lord because you feel like you want to. It is a desire of your heart. Just a portion. Think about it. 
of some of the verses that we've just read in chapters 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, just a portion of all the blessings, all of the riches, spiritual blessings and spiritual riches that we have in Christ, we've been lavished upon us. We have been forgiven by God. We have been redeemed. We have received, it says, unfathomable riches of His glory. These are the things that God wants you and me to know. This is who we are. This is what we have because of Christ. And Satan and and this world will be trying to beat you and me down to where we don't believe that we're all... We're all of that. We don't believe that we are all that God wants us to believe. And this world is trying to beat our children down too and trying to to tell them that they, they can't make it. They need the government or whatever to be good. And that's not true. It's not true. Listen, people, the spiritual blessings that are ours are out there for every single one of us. And yet most of us here have not even scratched the surface of all that Jesus Christ has before each and every single one of us to help us out in our time of need and to comfort us and to, and to assure us that even when things are good, as, as well as it may be bad, that we're, we're still who we are because of Christ. But like that poor traveler in that luxury liner, some of us in our faith right now are sitting in the basement. We're sleeping on a cot. We're eating scraps. When really we should be eating with the captain, eating all the good food, not being paupers. Look again at chapter 3. Look at verses 19, 20, 21. That's going to blow you away. It says in chapter 3, verse 19, to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled up. Filled up for what? To all the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to Him, that means to God, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that you might ask or even think according to the power that works within us. You hear that? You read it? Listen. Listen to what it says again, verse 20, to Him, to God, who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that you might ask or all that you might think according to the power that works within us. To Him, verse 21, be the glory. Where? In the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And so what we see from these few verses, these blessings, they are ours. They're they're beyond anything you and I could ever ask for or ever think about. We, most of us as believers have not even scratched the surface of all that God wants to bring and give into our lives. We're like paupers. And what we see in verse 21 is these blessings were to go on and on forever and ever throughout all the generations where? In the church. In and through Jesus Christ. These blessings are for us to claim. And so, beloved, let me share to you this this God that, that Paul is writing to you, us about in the book of Ephesians. The one whom you and I receive with abundance our spiritual blessings once we come to be in Him, once we trust Him as our Lord and Savior. We abundantly have so much. 
I want you to learn this. I want to teach this. I want with all my heart, if I'm going to teach this as if it were the last book I ever had the privilege of teaching. Because I want you and I to understand the blessings that we have. It is going to be my desire that you and I understand what these blessings are, how we can appropriate them into our own lives. And hopefully, by the time we're through with this book, we'll understand your home life, your work life, your daily living will never be the same. You and I, if we understand this book and study it properly, our lives are going to be changed for the better. That is a promise that God makes to us. This His Word. This is everything. This is going to change you and me. I asked you a little while ago to get a Bible. If you don't have enough money to buy a Bible, come see me. I'll scratch up money somewhere to give you a Bible. I will. I'd love for you to have your own Bible to kind of get to know and and mark it so that you understand what what it is that God is saying you from week to week and from day to day as you read through it, underlining things and using it as your book, your, your walk through life. My wife is doing, I think, one of the, one of the greatest things. She, she reads the Bible more faithfully than anyone I've ever known. She's, she is by far the most godly person I've ever had the privilege of meeting. She reads her Bible daily, but not just her Bible. She reads Bibles and she marks them. And when the kids get old enough, she's going to give it to our grandchildren as their heritage from their grandma. And she's writing their name and different things in there as she sees fit. And so when they read through this Bible that she's going to give to them, they're going to see what grandma had to say to them. Well, not grandma. We don't call her grandma. (laughs) But they're going to know what it is that she thought about them as she read through the book. That's what she wants to leave to our children as a heritage to them. That's what I want to leave for you. You tell me, um, your grandpa, if you want. I would love for you and me to write some things down in our Bibles that take us into that place where we understand the spiritual blessings that God has given to us. They're monumental. I want to learn alongside of you. I want to stop living like a pauper in my own self. I want to live like a spiritual king. Father, please bless us. Bless this, your word. Bless this book, the book of Ephesians that was written by your apostle Paul that you gave to the church so that we might be a people that understand who you are and that we might live in the unity of of this brotherhood that we have, the sisterhood that we have in Christ. And so, Father, would you please guide us through this book? Teach us, Father, as only you can. And Father, would you every week just move me aside. Let us see the wonders of this great, great, great book. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I love you all so much. And I'll see you next week. I'm really excited about this book. We'll start the first chapter, the first verse next week.